Anything's possible, though, because, you know, Bitcoin is money, so, you know, money talk, man. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, powered by Cointelegraph. What began as a small experiment is now a rapidly expanding ecosystem. As citizens of the internet, we expect to be able to send money over the internet as quickly and cheaply as sending an email. As citizens of the internet, we demand transparency. Here, we talk about Bitcoin, Ethereum, blockchain industries, fintech, and more. But we're not experts. We're just three guys in the Bitcoin community. And adoption is the only thing that matters. Hey everybody, welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast episode 120. I'm your first host, Marcello. And I'm host number 2D. Host number 3, Corey. Special ah. weed episode. Yeah. Oh, smoke yeah. weed every day. <laughs> yeah, this I'm is going to be... Like, uh, I, I don't know. I, the, so the guy came into our Slack one time, I guess the community promoter, John came in and started talking about what they're doing and like my initial well we'll get into this later but like my initial uh reaction was like get the fuck out of here come on what are you what are you doing what are you, what are you trying to do here and slowly but surely as a good community manager does he he quelled a lot of my issues or, or worries about people just trying to make a lot of you know trying to take advantage of a situation and not actually have a real product but it seems as though the company's trying to do something, trying to solve a problem legitimately. Yeah, he, he wears a suit and glasses. It's not like he has like a hemp hat on and like a dirty sweatshirt. Like well, he I looks would, like. I almost would trust the guy with the dirt, you know, hemp <laughs> yeah. hat on a dirty sweatshirt over a suit guy trying to sell me weed. You know, I mean, it's like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's just a cop trying to get people. <laughs> yeah. If I say to a guy, pass the duchy, and he can't instantly say on the left hand side, I don't trust him. <laughs> When it comes to marijuana yeah but we're not it, the, the days of the the days of the like backhanded cd place to to go make you know pot exchanges is is pretty much over in america right the legitimacy of smoking <laughs> marijuana in america is is normal it's legal it's recreational but they're faced with like the people who their dispensaries who do run these businesses legitimately are faced with like very serious problems of money management because they're not able, they're not essentially they're disenfranchised by not being able to deal with traditional banking services the way everyone else is. And so they literally have like the issue that we always talk about in America that no one has, like, you know, I say Bitcoin and, and blockchain isn't really that convenient for most Americans in terms of like using on an everyday basis because we're a first world country and have really good infrastructure. Well, for them, that's not the case. And so it's one of those mm -hmm. things where like blockchain solution is probably a really good solution to try and help them be like the rest of the world or the rest of the country. So they that makes it sound bad though. It makes it sound like, oh, you guys are just trying to be like us in America. <laughs> you guys are trying so hard. Well, I mean, that makes it sound bad. They, we should, they should have their own infrastructure built on Bitcoin. Who's That's what they? it should be. 
everyone else in emerging markets that's having that's a kinda, hard time with that's kind of what's being done right that's the the leapfrog you know thing like with like mm-hmm. uh like say like africans always use cell phones now and they didn't ever ever exactly. need the infrastructure of telephone lines they just skipped all of the need to build the telephone line infrastructure they just got cell phones after a while and now yeah they don't even have any of that stuff they just use cell phones same type of institution like there's no banking infrastructure in these third world countries and there's there's no need to build one anymore because they can just start using bitcoin Mm. sounds so beautiful every time i think about it like that like all these places that don't have access to finance now they're gonna have it yeah it takes time man tawanda went from like a penny bank to bitcoin he just skipped a whole bunch of steps yeah. <laughs> our that's a that's a shout out to our first guest. Was Tawanda yeah, Kimball yeah. our first guest? He was our very yeah. first guest, that's very correct. Golly. That's a lot. Been a while, man. Twenty episodes. Been doing this a while. Um so let's uh let's, let's hit him let's hit him now. with a with a sponsor because we have those now. Yeah, okay. Uh new sponsor Sunday. We have a brand new sponsor, our, our good friend uh <laughs> Nathan Wozniak and Chris Horlacher. Horlacher? Horlacher. Horlacher. Um, yeah, they have I a great thing called EDC, which stands for uh, Equibit Development Corporation. Brand new sponsor. We love these guys. What they're what they're doing is they're building several apps that are decentralizing the securities industry. Now you may ask why this is a huge deal. And the fact of the matter is that for the first time it's now possible to create real-time highly robust transfer and settlement systems that current systems they simply cannot compete with. So the security industries is like the banking industry. It's filled with uh, centralized uh, intermediaries that clear the settled transactions. They handle shareholder communications and like other labor intensive work. So before like these expensive tasks can now be replaced with peer to peer technologies and it, it brings the cost of performing these dramatically dramatically down so reserve units among the first million of a 22 million unit system early adopters that's you listening you can reserve equibit units through this crowd sale so you can review their ico because they're doing very important stuff at ico.equibit.org and for their main initiative go to equibit.org sign up for that newsletter um and just a heads up, their ICO is over on the first. So if you want to act, you better slide in there now. Uh, but if not, don't worry because they're planning a second ICO with new terms soon. Details pending. So check them out. And uh, I guess full disclosure, I, I this was the event that I covered our official like live um, podcast event where I covered where I covered the uh, launch of Equibit and. During that launch, I bought some Equibit myself because I read their white paper, talked to Chris and, and Nathan Wozniak and, and the development team for quite a bit about how it worked and why they were doing it, um, what made the token worthwhile, the, the, the base Equibit token. And uh, I, I I bought some myself because I feel like it's worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah, Digital cool assets. Sponsor. We're in a whole new world now. Digital assets are a thing. I hope your digital asset portfolio is diversified. Yeah. You've been listening to the show. I hope, I hope so, too. I hope you some Bitcoin. I hope you have some Zcash. I hope you have some Ethereum. I hope you maybe have some Monero. I hope well, you let's have talk some about Dash. That. Let's talk about that, D. How's, how's your faith in Bitcoin lately? Because I feel like the more that you're spreading 
your money to these other currencies and the more you're diversifying, the more your faith in Bitcoin wanes a little bit. That's my theory. I think that theory is wrong. My well, faith, let's talk about it. When it comes to money, my faith and my money are exclusive from each other. So my money is smart. My faith is dumb, which is why I go with my money. It's just a smart decision to take my money and spread it into these different buckets because lo and behold, I made a decision to move some into Ethereum early in the week and Bitcoin decided to take a massive dump on itself and Ethereum decided to go up by $12. So That's what I'm saying. We're, we're doing more spreading now than we have in the past for a reason. Okay, well, so Bitcoin's not looking the too way I, you're talking the way about I, our show? Or are you talking about? Talking about us individually. Because, uh, you know, my stance has changed. Corey's stance has changed. I'm sure he'd like to talk about that. Yeah, I will. But, but uh, there's there's two sides to how I kind of how I feel about this. Like one, like my stances have changed, but in the beginning we didn't diversify because none of these projects were robust enough to damn. really feel like they were worth a damn. Exactly what you said. It they've they've grown since we've started this podcast. They've have a track record. They have uh, they've they they have things built on top of them. They've shown that they can act with larger and larger user bases. Like when you have a, a, like you have a new project and you have 15 users, who cares? You can't show that you can handle yourself in the face of scale. And some of these systems have, have started to become battle tested. Like Ethereum has recovered from its DAO hard fork and, and, and hard fork split. And Mm. it's more powerful than other. And it has a lot of, really cool projects that are going to go make it seem like it's going to propel itself into the future and become what it's set out to be. And it has a development team behind it. That seems like they're capable of dealing with everything that get thrown at them. Uh, A lot of the other projects have shown that, you know, they can handle larger and larger scales, but in in the, at the end, as of things currently stand, nothing's as big as Bitcoin or as battle tested as Bitcoin. But over time, my faith at least in the monetary aspect of like the, the the value of the stability of Bitcoin is waning because of the fact that we still can't solve simple issues in governance in Bitcoin. And like Andreas Antonopoulos said, if we can't pass SegWit, then we can't pass anything, which means that the idea of Bitcoin becoming like the, the storage of value for all of the crypto world isn't as strong as it used to be, which means that I'm probably going to start divert, like because I have stronger, I guess, comfort in other cryptocurrencies, my portfolio then diversifies even more. I start to put money in these projects even more because my confidence in Bitcoin maintaining its current value in the face of all of these art, these ridiculous arguments and problems that it's, it's facing with governance I'm just going to diversify and put my money elsewhere. So like full disclosure, I'm taking all of my money out of Bitcoin and moving it into different assets because I don't want to deal with how the market responds to this ridiculous argument that seems to be coming to a head. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, just like Corey said, the market is the market is the numerical representation of massive human emotion. And so with me, when it comes to my faith in Bitcoin, I realized that um, all those great things that I loved, the minority report future that I wanted, 
as it stands right now, that's not going to be Bitcoin that does that. Because we can't do some common sense shit when it comes to upgrading the network. And I, w- I would love to have Roger Vera on our show. I don't, and I would love to melt him. I would I love to melt him with common sense. I'm not terribly sure he is willing to listen to common sense. That's the thing. I've watched a lot of the debates Which, that he has. He's so staunch in his ideology. He's not willing to have an argument or a conversation. He's just going to essentially every time you come up with something that's logical or even say, I'm not equipped to handle that kind of that, that question because there are more specialized people that are more knowledgeable than me. He'll tell you you're appealing to a higher authority, which is exactly what you should do and what every logical person does when they don't know the answer to something that's outside of their realm of expertise. It's fucking retarded not to do that. And to use that as an argument against somebody means that you don't know what you're talking about. And so, like, there is no point in talking to somebody like that. And I feel like the majority of arguments that I've heard so far in support of the smaller, the currently smaller faction, the big blockers of Bitcoin, it's based in ideology. For the most part, there are some legitimate reasons for for doing some of the things that they want to do. but. I'm willing to argue to those people, but they're few and far between. And in terms of software development, there is nothing better than SegWit. It solves or could potentially solve all of the current problems we're faced with right now. It is not a scaling solution. It is a prerequisite. It's a stepping stone. It's a prerequisite to a scaling solution. It solves a serious problem with Bitcoin. And if this would have been put forth before this debate, no one would give a shit. It would have been put forth, yeah. solved. No one would ever hear about it, know about it, or care. But the network would have a lot more solutions in terms of how it's going to scale if it was already being implemented. And it's ridiculous that we have to have this debate between staunch ideology and these backhanded kind of attacks or threats of attacks or people with a lot of money and not a lot of technical knowledge saying they're going to flood the market with their Bitcoin to ruin the opposite fork. Like a lot of that stuff scares a lot of people and they're just going to leave because right now, (laughs) and because these other cryptocurrencies are more robust and they can handle the scale, they're not going to take their money in fiat and sit around. They're just going to go to a different system and start using it. Roger Vare sounds and looks like a Bond villain. Like Roger Vare is a Bond villain name. I think he's a tool. Like it's, it's yeah, he's the perfect like. I'm going to. I'm going to hold all of the Bitcoin hostage. Hostage. That's a weird voice. That's a weird enemy voice that I just tried there. That but not, I feel like it didn't roll out like I thought it was gonna roll out. <laughs> <laughs> that guy at uh, what was it? Ken's meetup. Tone Vays. Tone Vays. Yeah. yeah. He had, he uh, he had a debate with Roger Ver where he was representing Segwit. Roger Ver was uh, representing BU. Uh, where, he, where was that? Can we link it? It's on. The, it's on uh, so I put the the link that has that interview in the Slack. Um, I join think, our Slack. Uh, yeah, join yeah. our Slack. I can also tweet that. But I watched that interview, and there there is no logical argument coming from. Roger Ver. And it's a lot of personal attacks and ideology and a feeling as if he knows what he's talking about. But I don't think he's listening to the other side. 
the thing that is here's what I think. I want to do some conspiracy theory shit right now. I think Ver has a little bit of the Chinese little government action going down up in his pockets because the reason I say that is I listened to an interview with him recently. Just listening to a talk, he kind of it feels like he's disassociated with how Bitcoin actually works a little bit. Well, he like, he under, he, like from so from the beginning, he he pushed for he made a lot of money in the Bitcoin space because mm, it, because he, he he really latched on to the early ideology of what Bitcoin was, which was this idea of this free money that can be used by anyone in the whole world to send and transit transact value without anyone else caring or knowing what they're doing. And it allowed for this kind of crypto anarchy libertarian like libertarianism like ideology that was very very strong in the early days of bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And because the network was small, the fees were small, and that those types of use cases in terms of like buying a cup of coffee for bitcoin were still enabled. But over time, as the network grew, and we've kind of run up against this, I would still call it an artificial barrier of one megabyte block sizes, uh, fees started to grow, which then start to cut out some of the use cases you can do with Bitcoin. It's no longer feasible to like send 25 cents of Bitcoin because fees are too high, which means mm-hmm. that you need to build other solutions which allow for those types of transactions onto the secure network that is Bitcoin. But in order to keep that security, you need to incentivize miners. And over time, transaction fees are supposed to do that. So transaction fees are supposed to be a healthy part of the Bitcoin network. He doesn't want that to happen. He wants to say, you just increase the number of transactions you have on the block, which sounds really good, but has, has more network difficulties in some cases than others. I'm not saying we can't scale the block size at all, on chain, I'm saying that you should probably do what's technically sound early, and then do something like that later on when you've tested it. But but he's still steeped me, in the ideology of the early days and hasn't caught up to where we are now as a network. Yeah. He still wants to have all of the bells and whistles of a very small network that no one cares about today, when it's a very slow moving secure machine that we can't change because there's 20 billion dollars inside of it yeah to me it's like he it's it's almost like um you know first we had electricity it was like pretty much just like copper wires and then we had the capacitor which could help us out a little bit it could store electricity for amounts of times right and then like things had to go on from there we could only get so far until somebody made like the transistor so like i feel like big Bitcoin is kind of in that stage where it's like, oh, it's working, but we need a capacitor. We need a transistor. We need these things to add on to it to make it what it is. And I feel like Bear is just like, no, we're just going to make bigger copper wires because ultimately that's what we need to do. And it's like, but like we can only make the copper wire so big, man. What do you want? Like a copper wire that's like, 30 feet wide like what the fuck is wrong with you like we gotta i don't know it just when i listen to him talk i feel it feels like he's i'm not the most technically uh like knowledgeable when it comes to bitcoin and the bitcoin blockchain i know 
a lot more than your average Joe. But even listening to him to, uh, to him talk, I feel like eh, something's happened. He's a little disassociated from how this system actually works right now. Well, so, and he's pro Trump. And he's and he's pro Trump. So, well, Cello, are you in a submarine just... right now? Did you leave your office and go to a submarine? <laughs> no, I'm here. He, it, oh, it, you can, you can like tell you're... by his arguments that he's steeped in ideology, and the reason why he's in this in the first place is because he he has this strong feeling of what people should be able to do and how they should be able to do it. And up until recently, he's he's been allowed to do that. He's been allowed to use use, use Bitcoin for that vehicle, and because the network has grown and has run into, I guess, I guess, growing pains, that doesn't mean that in the end it won't be able to do those things. But right now, it currently can't in a technical way. And he's just like, well, just stop making it, just stop doing that and make it work again. And when you give him a logical, rational reason as to why we can't do that so quickly, or at least in the method that he'd like to, and why it's it's unsafe to do things in the method that he's trying to do things, he tells you that you're appealing to a higher authority, which is steeped in the ideology that he's backing. There's no technical reason for it. You can't argue with these types of people. It's like a, it's, he's like a religious person. You don't argue with religious people because if they're wrong, then everything that they've done in the past is also wrong. And everything that kind of comforted them through a lot of these things is no longer valid. And they lose a lot, like a big portion of their life. If you, if you put so much of your life in this ideology, now I'm not saying that's like, I feel like that's the only thing that's motivating him. And there's no, there is no way to convince him otherwise. He's just a dangerous person. Mm. Well, sounds like we got to get him on. Sounds like he's Lex Luthor and Andreas is Superman. And we need to have them fist fight in a wrestling ring. <laughs> well, you, just, you just said he was like the Thomas Edison, a crazy Thomas Edison of Bitcoin. Who, me? Wait, did Thomas Edison invent copper wire, or did, or Thomas Edison essentially employed Nicholas Nicholas Tesla, Nikolai Tesla? No, to I didn't make say that Roger Bear invented anything. He just got lucky and loved Bitcoin really early. He's backed a lot of projects that have come to build a lot yeah. of things, a lot of the backend infrastructure and and, and and services that we we still use today. And he owns Bitcoin.com. He's backed a lot, like he he has a lot of money. But He's having a lot of money the villain, doesn't Corey. make you technical. He didn't. Doesn't... He didn't create Athena Bitcoin. I'll tell you that. Nope. <laughs> what do they do? Enlighten the most, us. Well, they just happen to be the trusted, most trusted name in Bitcoin ATMs, located in H Town, Fort W. Do people That's... call it Fort W? No. Ham- Fort Worth. Hampton, no. Fort Winston. <laughs> Fort Winston, uh, yep. Dallas, the D, and uh, a bunch of other <laughs> cities. So download the Athena Bitcoin wallet on that app store or Google Play and for specific locations, not these crazy locations I'm talking about. Go to athenabitcoin.com. Yeah. And we're also yeah. brought to you by Athena Bitcoin's portfolio company, bitquick.co, which is secure, quick, and easy peer-to-peer Bitcoin marketplace where you can get Bitcoin for cash in as little as three hours. And they've been serving Bitcoiners since 2013. So where there's a bank, there's BitQuick. 
And I'm waiting on some swag. I need some hats, Athena Bitcoin. I need some hats and some shirts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, push yeah. that out. I, I still wear all my other Bitcoin, Athena Bitcoin stuff. I like that stuff. Yeah. Actually, like, matter of fact, no, nope, so that was yesterday. Good. I was wearing my Athena Bitcoin shirt yesterday. You're wearing an awesome possum t shirt. Uh-huh. Yeah, so. I don't. I don't know what. Like, I could talk about this for days, and it, but it's. It only makes me angry because th- nothing well, has moved, and it's only gotten more volatile. And and a lot of the argument um, is irrational and steeped in pure emotion, and not not yeah. logical reasons to move forward. Which here's means the thing that that's the upsetting government. To me. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's such an easy fix. Like it's so it's such e- it's so e- easy to see which one to do. Like it's clear to do, and it's not like you can't increase the blocks, and you can't increase segwit later. It's just like, can we come up with a compromise? Like how about that's we what do they segwit? said. Like that's what people that debate on, on. That's what people on. I guess the, what you would typically call small blockers or core size say. Like there's there's a whole website of hard fork proposals, and. And, and, and at core, whether or not those go through, we don't know. But what they're championing is SegWit, which is which is a really good tested solution to a lot of things, which other scaling solutions have built on top of. And then they say, give it a shot, let it see if it fixes all the problems, because it's at least going to kick the can down the road a little bit in terms of scaling, at least. And if it doesn't solve the problem completely, we can hard fork to two megabytes or four megabytes or whatever's whatever's been tested and useful for for the network but to do something as drastic as hard forking and then attacking the minority chain is is it's like what what are you trying to what do you think is going to happen you're going to ruin both systems because in the end adoption is the only thing that matters and when someone says can I buy some Bitcoin? And you ask them which Bitcoin, they're going to say, "Ah, oh, never mind. I don't know." Yeah, I wanted, I want a cherry flavor. Is I'm looking for the cherry flavor Bitcoin blockchain. Like, there's we there's don't have that a legitimate problem with dealing with the everyday person. And if you make it more difficult than it already is, or you have to ask them thirty questions before they get which Bitcoin, it's never going to be adopted ever and cool you can you can hang out with your ideology and reason for doing these things all you want but it's never going to grow to what you want it to be mm-hmm. i i'm i'm staunchly opposed to this this crazy hard fork idea of, atta- of attacking the other chain and seeing which chain wins in the end of the day i think it's going to kill the entire entire Bitcoin space and people just move their money elsewhere. Interview time? It is interview time. I think it's interview time. Speaking of not on Bitcoin. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, this is my introduction to the Waves wallet too, by the way. Waves platform, which I'm not not 100% sold on Waves. Uh, I'm like, I guess us as a podcast want to push people legitimately trying to solve real world problems with with the technology that blockchain enables waves is a very young platform that 
is trying to specialize in making tokens for people to solve problems with, right? Mm -hmm. And um, the Tokes platform chose Waves to do their ICO and have their token live on. And I, I need to just, I guess, do more research on it and see how it, like, where it goes and how it goes. We talked about that in the interview. But you can mm -hmm. give an introduction to yeah. uh, John. Yeah, our guest is, uh, what's Michael, his name? Michael, Michael yeah, Wagner. Michael Wagner. Um, I guess he's kind of the founder of Cannabis Revolution. And they're empowered, like we said, <laughs> by the Tokes digital currency platform. So basically, it's like one of the first projects in the world to combine the tech advances of blockchain and I guess the cultural shift of the marijuana legalization movement. So weed plus blockchain legitimized. Boom. <laughs> and like I said earlier on the show, like there's a, there's a real need for dispensaries who have legitimate business to yeah. not carry around large, crazy amounts of cash and have access to banking services. But because of the way, country is run that's not necessarily the case in a lot of ways so they're trying <laughs> to kind of make it possible for those people to conduct business you know in it's a safer happen, way. right the banks are going to try to come down on the anti-money laundering that's all that's well, going to happen that's the crazy really part funny, though. Like, you can't like how much how much easier it is to track your business when it's a digital currency like you can keep track of it from a from a accounting standpoint much easier it is than if you're Paying all of your paying everybody in cash, only getting cash, carrying cash. Mm -hmm. Like you can't trust a lot of people around a giant vault of cash, and if you do, you need a lot of money to make sure that those people are well vetted. You need to check on those people. There's a lot of other things you need to do to make sure that that, that cash is being well accounted for. I think mm -hmm. it's much easier to do a lot of your accounting if you offload a lot of that onto a digital currency. Yeah, I was also sad that it's not really going to expand outside of Las Vegas for a while. Well, you got to start somewhere, man. Yeah. Well, without further ado, everyone, here's the interview. So here it is. So uh, I, I guess I wanted to open up kind of a, a broad topic on the non-technical side, and you know, we can kind of just start off, you know, talking about. Uh, I suppose what the current state of the the legal or I guess maybe the illegal, but mainly the legal cannabis industry, like what's going on with that nowadays? Yeah, I mean, well, I think there's a pretty big movement going on throughout the states uh, for not only a push through uh, medical legalization, which was kind of the first step in the in the overall initiative and the social movement. But, um you know, even recently, I guess, let me just use Nevada as an example. I'm based here in Las Vegas. Uh, and back during the uh, election cycle, back in November, we just passed uh, recreational cannabis use uh, on our ballot. So you see more and more states passing that now. Um, obviously, there's a big conflict. I'm sure we'll get into this uh, as we as we get further into the Toast Platform project. But a uh, big conflict between the the federal legalization of cannabis and and what the states are adopting at their local levels. So I think we have somewhere around uh, seven or eight states with outright uh, recreational cannabis legalized now, and another, you know, uh, two dozen probably that that have uh, medical or some form of decriminalized cannabis uh, currently in the U.S. 
Oh, based on the, it's like this kind of push for legalization, you have this giant market of growers and people selling legally is that are making quite a bit of money because people are kind of flocking to these places. And that what's the problem that you see? Like what, what is Tokes trying to solve? Definitely. Yeah. So, so at the core of our uh, platform is a digital currency uh, denominated as Tokes. And what we're trying to facilitate is a form of electronic payment network uh, targeted specifically for the cannabis industry. But uh, one of the big challenges here is because of the conflict and disconnect between the federal legalization and the state legalization, uh, most of these entities are not able to transact uh, in current electronic formats, which is things like, you know, via bank accounts and via credit cards. And so they're, they're forced to transact entirely in cash. Uh, it creates a pretty significant risk for them in terms of protecting that capital. And, uh, you know, also when you consider things like reinvestment of that income into growth of their business, they're essentially stuck sitting on these stockpiles of cash. And, uh, and, and so we want to come in and do two things. One, help them move that, the, the cash that they're currently sitting on, we want to help them move that into an electronic format. In our case, we're proposing that they move it onto the blockchain. Uh, and uh, also help facilitate making future transactions electronically through things uh, like a mobile wallet application that we're building out and, and they can make those transactions right on their phone um, in store. So customers won't need to be carrying around uh, high volumes of cash in the dispensaries, you know, theoretically going forward won't need to store that cash either. And you mentioned that you're in Vegas, which I guess the the picture that you painted is it's kind of the cannabis destination in the United States. How do you intend to capitalize on that? Yeah. So we, yeah, we definitely see it as being, it's already the entertainment capital of the world. You know, we get, uh, we get between 40 and 45 million visitors a year. Um, we do, we do have a bit of an obstacle in that uh, because of the, you know, again, federal status of these gaming licenses, many of the casinos are highly opposed to legal cannabis. Uh, so you might not see as much of the entertainment world down on the strip in downtown Vegas uh, accepting uh, recreational use of cannabis. But nevertheless, you know, when you think about uh, a destination city, Vegas is right there at the top of the list. So um, Denver, for example, has seen uh, huge volumes of people that have traveled to the state and to the city, uh, notably to partake in cannabis use. So we think coupled with uh, the, the entertainment aspects of Las Vegas and the high demand for people already to, to come to this city, um, you know, having legal cannabis recreational is just going to accentuate that and, and, and increase the volume of tourists that we get here to the city. So we have, uh, we actually do interestingly enough, uh, have a few tangible products based on tourism uh, that, that we kind of have on the back burner for right now, but just some ideas that we're looking at in terms of how to uh, take the, the potential tourists that visit the city and get them exposed to places like the dispensaries or like the grow operations. Um, and I don't want to get too far into details on what those ideas are because they're still in early development, but um, we do have some tourism-based ideas that we think we could help capitalize on. So that was kind of the key point of your question, I guess. But um, overall, I think just tourism 
in general is going to increase with a, with recreational legalization here. All right. So you have like you have these businesses that if they use your platform can allow them to not walk around with ridiculous sums of money on their person or you know under their bed or whatnot. And right. you have to somehow incentivize people to actually use that token. How are you? Like, liquidity, in my opinion, is always an issue or ease of use is always an issue with on-ramping users into this into this space. How do you get people who have no idea about what blockchain is, what the Tokes platform is, to one, use this platform, and two, get their money into it and out of it if you're either a business or a user? Absolutely, without a doubt. I mean, one of the core components of, of our project, and we've talked about this extensively, is going to be the educational components of uh, of not only explaining and introducing cryptocurrency and this blockchain technology to them, but uh, to, to the dispensaries and to the operators, but also to their potential customers. So, I mean, spot on with, with that component. And, and I would just say, you know, we know we're not the very first movers, even in cryptocurrency, to have the idea of utilizing a digital currency for the cannabis industry. Uh, there's several other competitors out, of, out there, but, um, I think many of them have lacked uh, outright execution of that plan. And a large part of that is because of the need to one, grow slowly and two, to your exact point, educate the consumers. So part, part of our strategy will be uh, uh, essentially a pilot program where we bring on a couple dispensaries slowly who are willing to uh, transact with our currency. And then we'll put together promotional events right there in store uh, where customers can come in and get exposed to the mobile application. Uh, you know, we'll have representatives on site that can explain in layman terms and basic terms what the blockchain is, uh, how to store value safely and securely on your mobile wallet, and then uh, do something like give away, you know, $10 worth of tokes if they download the mobile application uh, that they can then use right there in store. We'll also work with the dispensaries themselves on on a point of sale system that can accept that transaction then and uh, and educate their employees on how to use that uh, appropriately. And uh, essentially, what you what you come up with is the ability to get a consumer to download your app, learn a little bit about blockchain, and make a uh, one-time transaction right there in store. Uh, while they were just introduced to all of this. So I think by doing stuff like that, you can get the momentum rolling on cryptocurrency adoption. And, you know, and let's be honest, this is more than just a Tokes platform challenge. Uh, getting cryptocurrency into the broader mainstream is faced with the exact same challenge of education and technology adoption. So what we want to do with our digital currency is going to promote and advocate for for the broader cryptocurrency ecosystem as a whole. Yeah, and, and not just educate, but it, it seems like there needs to be an incentive for people to be on board, which I, me personally, I kind of, you know, I feel a little bit of shame with that because when we first started this podcast, we wanted to push businesses to adopt Bitcoin and we just thought if we educate them, if we build it, they would come, but obviously not. You know, you've built a really great platform with Tokes, and I'm curious to see, you know, with Tokes, how does that give you a little bit of added leverage to aid in that adoption that you were talking about? Right. Yeah. So that's a, that's a, that's a pretty common question as as to you know why did we develop the Tokes platform and not use something like Bitcoin, right? Um, or at least that's the question we commonly get asked. But uh, to your point, it's it's essentially 
funding capital uh, is what provides us the leverage and the ability to go out and execute on these proposals that we're making. Um, I, I do believe that Bitcoin has a few current deficiencies in terms of uh, merchant acceptance and ability to be broadly used as a payment system, um, partially just with the transaction times on blocks. And, uh, you know, we've run into a challenge lately with higher transaction fees and blocks being stuck in the mempool. So, um, you know, I mean, Bitcoin is still growing and I, I absolutely love Bitcoin. I, I think, you know, through utilizing a um, an asset like ours with a faster block processing time. So we're an asset that's operating on top of waves. Um, essentially right now it's about a one minute uh, block processing time, 30 seconds to one minute, but uh, they have proposals of going down as low as one second block processing times on waves. So, you know, that kind of excites us. So I'd say that's the first part is we, we do appreciate the fact that um, the chain that we're operating on can operate extremely quickly and, and handle a high volume of transactions. But, uh, but more so than that, for us to be able to engage and undertake these initiatives, you know, we needed to, we needed to uh, come up with some level of funding. And we were able to do that through our initial coin offering um, and the development of the TOKES platform. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about um, the initial coin offering. Like from some rudimentary Google searching based on us coming up to this interview, went through somewhat of a pain, pain process with um, a different company to do your ICO. Can you talk about that and the kind of who it was, how it happened, and, and why you chose Waves in the, in, after all in the end, and then how you feel about so far your, 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 your work with Waves and what it's provided you? Yeah, I mean, uh, so so Waves is you know relatively young in their own development, uh, right? But one thing that we, several things that we liked about them were just the proposed features uh, that they announced along with along with their own launch. So a few of those are going to be things like, um, well, like I said already, the the quick blockchain processing times. Uh, they're proposing a decentralized exchange that'll be built right into their own uh, light client. Um, also looking at, uh, well, one component that was particularly appealing to me was their proposals for fiat gateways. It's actually something that uh, we've since developed further on our own, um, just because we, we see it as having high immediate potential uh, to generate revenues for, for our you know, tangible side of the business. Uh, but things like a, a fiat gateway that increases the ability to move cash from the conventional banking system onto the blockchain through a wallet like waves where you know maybe cash can flow immediately from from a bank account right into a tokes asset because we're sitting on top of the waves blockchain um, was, was incredibly appealing to me so and i could see that as having some value for you know potential customers that would like to uh, purchase tokes to use in dispensaries and even possibly something where the the dispensaries and the operators are using those fiat gateways to get in and out of the tokes that they've accepted in their um, in their locations right in their stores in the retail outlets so uh, you know say say a dispensary accepts thousand dollars in a day uh, in tokes transactions and they'd like to move that back into a more stable asset um, we, we personally do have a proposal for a pegged asset that is a almost a sub asset of TOGS, but 
something that would provide the dispensaries with the ability to lock in the value of those transactions uh, once they're recorded on their books. So I think having certain features uh, like those proposed by Waves are going to benefit us in that it eases the transition of capital um, in and out of the blockchain and in and out of uh, alternative assets on the blockchain as well. That's it's it's quite in, like, I I have somewhat of a doomsday scenario question in terms of I'm not I'm not too terribly familiar with waves but because they're so young as with the majority of the I guess non Bitcoin blockchains they're very nascent and what the future of this entire space holds we're not quite sure so um I'll get I'll get this question out real quick um what sure thank God how do I can phrase this. Are you prepared to pivot if something doesn't go right with the Waves platform that can still allow you to have this native asset, this token that, that allows you to have the business that you want while not losing a good portion of like the, your, your users and, and funds inside the platform? Yeah. You know, it's something that we've, we've certainly considered. Um, I think it's low probability, but uh, we, don't, we don't have a defined... Uh, like you said, a catastrophic plan for something like that. If the if the waves chain were to shut down completely, although um, I would say you know we're we're capable of taking the necessary snapshots of the blockchain um, uh, in various chains. So if we needed to, uh, we've always just considered it as being fairly easy to go take a snapshot of the blockchain and then uh, uh, you know essentially transfer a an asset on a different chain um, into to replace the units that were essentially lost on the waves chain, if that makes sense. Uh -huh. uh, but there's also but there's also other projects out there that are already working on um, cross chain platforms, and so it's probably something that we'll look to utilize just just to give us uh, a backup of sorts. So if something were to happen to any one of our chains, then uh, you know there's always there's always another blockchain that's at least processing those transactions, and our and our payment network doesn't get shut down. Yeah. So I mean, I think the immediate uh, option for us would just be an Ethereum ERC twenty token as well, uh, and and it's probably something we'll start looking at in the near future. Although we also have a few more months ahead of us of of ground development before we're really looking at getting implemented in the dispensaries. So I would anticipate that we get uh, some type of backup mechanism in place prior to, you know, full full out launch, even even in the pilot program uh, with those dispensaries that I alluded to. Yeah, because Wave seems to have definitely um, provided the solution that you needed and given promise of continuing development in the direction that would help that would suit your business model really well just i, I, yeah. I would hope that because all of we don't know how all this stuff is going to play out that you're ready to pivot or change you know and there's just uh one other thing i'd like to say about waves uh looking at the ico that they completed you know a little over a year ago i guess it was uh, they raised somewhere around 13 million, I think, uh, during their ICO, and that's when Bitcoin was trading at 450 USD. So, all things considered, they should be uh, fairly well capitalized to continue development on that project. So, again, lower level of concern for me that anything would happen there. Good to know. For someone, I, I'm like Corey. I'm kind of unfamiliar with Waves. What, what, it seems like you guys kind of have a hold on it, but is there any? Is there any challenges? Is is the challenge just to to bring people to trade on waves rather than somewhere that has high risks? 
You know, uh, I guess yeah. One of the challenges right now is that they're uh, reprogramming their their entire code base in Scala, and so it's not uh, it's not as easy to implement those assets right now uh, with a lot of the other exchanges, the the you know, I guess centralized exchanges, if you will. So uh, we we fortunately just worked closely uh, with Bitrix with Richie over there and Bill, and we're able to get our asset added onto uh, Bitrix Exchange. Just accomplished that yesterday, actually. But um, that you know, in terms of obstacles, that's one of the the biggest hurdles right now is the implementation of Waves uh, throughout the rest of the the ecosystem. So because they're so young, um, new code base coupled with us being relatively young, we've seen some challenges there. Uh, but overall, I think, you know, pretty positive experience. Well, as of right now, you can see that folks on Bittrex are going for around 30 cents a piece. Yeah, uh, you know, quite proud of that, actually. We, we're we one of the few ICOs that, that came out of uh, launch onto an exchange post-ICO. And we're actually up. Um, average ICO price was around fifteen thousand satoshi. Uh, so we're, you know, right around two x right now out of the gate, uh, which we're we're pretty proud of. Do you imagine, like, kind of the way I the way I kind of see this is in terms of how the token may gain revenue and how their platform can grow? Is that as you on ramp these dispensaries to essentially throw their cash into tokens, so they're not having to deal with cash as much? Um, that the token associated with the use cases that those dispensaries are, are kind of providing provides a lot of value for your entire platform. And as you keep bring on ramping different people, you keep adding value to the entire platform because they're able to transfer the token to anyone regardless of the dispensary. They're in. Yeah, exactly right. You know, and I think, uh, so I'm glad you bring that up because uh, that is kind of one of the core concepts of cryptocurrency right now, a method of receiving a return of value on your investment in cryptocurrency, if you will, is largely predicated on fundamentals of supply and demand, right? So you know that your coin supply is relatively fixed. In our case, it's fixed. Uh, or in blockchains that are a proof of work, you know, it's it's a distribution curve that's predetermined. Um, and the way that you increase value there is encouraging a greater adoption of your currency, you know, throughout throughout the mainstream. Bitcoin successfully has done this. You know, Ethereum's done this. There's numerous cryptocurrencies that have accomplished that. Um, but my background is actually in conventional finance, uh, private wealth management, and you know, a lot of the work that I would do. Um, so also, uh, just about have my CFA charter, which is a pretty coveted designation in the you know, higher end conventional finance industry. But sure when I would do a lot of work on analyzing securities and evaluating companies for what they're worth, uh, we use you know more conventional um, economic models like price multiples, or you use a dividend discount model, or uh, cash flow analysis. You know, and when you look at uh, coin technologies and cryptocurrencies, most of them don't have any features that provide that type of mechanism uh, for a return on investment. You're essentially just banking on, you know, th this coin is going to be adopted by more people or there's going to be enough speculation in the market that I can, I can get that return that I'm seeking. Uh, we want to transform that paradigm. So in addition, uh, like I said, so the, the currency is the core of our platform. But in addition to that, we've got several um, entities that are all designed to generate revenue, whether that be through services or through products. 
Um, I did allude to the, the first service, which is uh, a, a cash on-ramping of our own. Uh, so we're getting registered as an MSB at both the federal and state levels and fully licensed so that we can actually take uh, physical cash from these entities. And uh, we've got a, a mechanism that we designed that allows us to move that through the banking system then into, into cryptocurrencies. And for that service, we charge a fee. In addition to that, we've got uh, a few CBD-based um, uh, nutritional products. Uh, we're going to announce more of those in our next newsletter. Um, our newsletter comes out on the 20th of every month. So in on April 20th, we've got a pretty big announcement on our nutritional product. Uh, and then in addition to that, uh, got a, I, I know there's a lot of, lot of moving parts to this whole project. It's pretty complex and a lot for us to manage, uh, but uh, I'm pleased with the progress on all fronts. Um, and, and really one of our biggest announcements in this last newsletter uh, was that we negotiated a contract with a local cannabis operator who has all of their medical business licenses right now for cultivation, production, and dispensary. Uh, we did an equity swap with them or a proposed equity swap. And what that will do is give us access to recreational licenses. So we're actually seeking funding on this, but we can go build our own facility right now and legally grow cannabis for recreational use in the state of Nevada. Uh, and what we propose is we take a part of those profits and we move that back into the Tox platform ecosystem. And we've got a, we've got a few mechanisms uh, that would allow us to accomplish that. But, uh, you know, between all of those moving parts, we're looking at generating real world revenue, income and profit and helping to build the Toast platform and adoption of our currency uh, with those profits. So I think that's one of the most innovative things that we're bringing to the space because uh, there's really there's really no other projects that I'm aware of that are doing anything like that. Um, I, 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 go ahead, Cello. Well, I was just curious, is like, so when you do it, let's say you accomplish everything you set out to do, you have your fully fledged facility, the dispensary, the, the, the mobile apps, everything, how would a full hardware infrastructure support for your partners? I guess big, if I'm talking big picture, what happens next? Uh, what happens next in terms of growth of our company or uh, growth of the project or yeah, because you, you obviously have an ultimate goal. Let's say you hit that ultimate goal and you've you've set out everything you set out to do. What happens to people like outside of Nevada or outside of uh, medical dispensaries? Uh, what does that mean for, I guess, for the rest of us? Yeah, I mean, so we want, uh, you know, we're focusing on on Las Vegas and Nevada just because it's it's our stopping grounds. It's, our, you know, where we live and we've got good connections and relationships here already. But uh most of this could extend to any of the states that have legal cannabis uh, consumption right now. So, you know, medical or recreational, uh, indifferent to which. But uh, once we get a good stronghold on our, I guess, our execution strategy, and we know that it works, and we, uh, I'm sure there's going to be some obstacles along the way. So if we have challenges or uh, uh, some faults in our plan. Uh, we'd like to work those out at a smaller scale. But once we know that everything works, uh, we can just start going out and pitching to uh, dispensaries in other states. So, you know, if, if that means getting licensing, uh, MSB happens to be licensed individually at the state level. So if we want to, you know, utilize our 
cash on-ramping system in California. We know that it works in Nevada. Well, we go out and we get our MSB licensing in, uh, in California. And we do that for any of the states that we see as being opportunistic. Awesome. Same thing. Yeah, same thing with the rest of our uh, our business models. But um, the the token can be used at at any in any state um, at any dispensary or even higher up in the in the vertical in the distribution chain. You know, between wholesalers can even use our digital currency. It doesn't have to be customer to to business. It can be business to business as well. Yeah, I'm seeing that as being like that. That so far, how I see your platform is a really good. Um potential upside for the business. I, it's hard for me to see why a user would stop using cash um, to buy cannabis and start changing the way they do things in order to use tokens. What incentivizes them to use your platform above traditional means of buying marijuana? You're right. I mean, it's a low, lower level of concern for an individual to go into a cannabis shop and, and, uh, you know, purchase some marijuana with a hundred dollar bill that they took out of the ATM there. It is, it is definitely a bigger concern for the businesses. Uh, so we would need to determine to determine how do we incentivize the customers to use this. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of what I'm talking about is somewhat conceptual, but we even have ideas on a, a reward system that's built right into the app as well. Uh, so, you know, every, every hundred dollars you spend, uh, through the Toast platform, you get, you know, one or two dollars back towards a future purchase, something like that. You know, I mean, there's certainly ways that we can go out and incentivize the customer to use our technology. But beyond that, I, I do think there's a convenience factor and a uh, a general shift uh, across society towards electronic payments anyway. So, I, I you know, I feel like we're blockchain is just ahead of the curve on on that transition into an electronic payment network that's been broadly adopted. Uh, but more and more people want to use things like Apple Pay or Google Pay, or they just use credit and debit cards. Uh, a lot of people don't really carry around cash. So to, to have the ability to use your cell phone as a wallet um, and and you know make purchases in an instant without having to carry around cash, there's certainly a value there. Uh, we might need to incentivize that a bit at the start to get consumers using it, but I think uh, I think the technology really speaks for itself. Yeah, I definitely see it. Maybe once you have. Um some like a, a various amount of places where a user can go and their ability to use the same what they would probably consider like a coupon or token anywhere yep. regardless of where they go whether it be in the same state or eventually across the country or around, yep. around the globe they can still use the same the same coupon or token the tokes platform to get what they're trying to get to and that's that's Absolutely. potentially like the ultimate goal of what cryptocurrencies are trying to do and they can also give that to other people are exchanging out for whatever currency they, they, they would like through whatever decentralized exchange that allows that. Definitely. And, and, you know, even beyond that. Uh, so I think the cannabis industry is a perfect use case uh, for blockchain technology because of decentralized nature and uh, I guess unregulated nature of cryptocurrencies right now. Uh, but in the future, I could even see our company in this project transitioning to a much broader uh, uh, point of sale and electronic means of payment. So uh, obviously, again, our focus right now is on the cannabis business. But I think if if blockchain adoption picks up and we're well established in the cannabis industry, it's an easy transition for us and a great uh, means of returning value to the people that are invested in us to be able to transition into you know payments across retail outlets 
regardless of the industry that they're in. You know, wouldn't you love to walk into uh, your local grocery store and just be able to make payments with uh, maybe it's a Tox digital currency or maybe it's a rebranding of sorts that we do. But I, I just think the potential is there for us to expand into general retail payment processing. But our, our focus is certainly on uh, cannabis right now. And, and again, perfect use case for blockchain. Yeah, I think you found the right market to get into that like kind of is looking for a solution because based on the problems they currently have. And I think that's something yeah. that like we could probably harp down a little bit on is, is is explaining to our listeners and just like elucidating what the main problem is that people in the industry are facing. Because I don't think a lot of people realize that like the the lack of services that people doing legitimate businesses have. It's definitely an unfair burden on them, right? I mean, these these are licensed businesses just like any other. Uh, so they're, they're facing the difficulties because of the federal legalization, but that, that big problem is the cash problem. So uh, if you've ever purchased uh, or any of the listeners who purchased cannabis at a, at a legal dispensary, uh, they're probably well aware that there is most likely a safe, a big vault on site uh, where they are uh, storing all that cash. And in fact, we just had another case of this uh, uh, maybe two or three weeks ago in Vegas with one of the dispensaries, but people are, they're getting robbed at gunpoint. You know, it's dangerous. It's dangerous for the people that work there. Uh, it's dangerous if you're a, a consumer that goes into that establishment and it's, it's dangerous for the business operators. So, and then in addition to that, if you are an employee at one of these dispensaries, in most cases, they're even paying their employees in cash. So now the now the employee has a burden of reporting the cash as income and determining how to pay taxes on that appropriately. And and, um, you know, I'm not as sophisticated on how the dispensaries are operating currently, but I can tell you that, you know, these are some of the things that they've talked to us about. And uh, when I go in and do do some tours and sit down with the, the owners and operators of these places, um, I've seen the vaults myself and I've seen the cash on site myself. So I know it's a present problem and they uh, and they. They tell us as much every time that we talk to them. So we know that we're onto something. Uh, we know that this is a real problem that needs a solution. Uh, so I think it's it's a good opportunity for us to get our technology in there and start working with these guys. Let's talk about like I'm I, I'm just personally curious. Like from your background, how did you decide you're going to try and tackle this problem? Sure. So we were, uh, uh, Gabe is my, my co-founder on this project, and we've both been involved in cryptocurrency. Uh, I go back to 2013. I think Gabe was uh, 2011 or 2012. And so, you know, very aware of the progress that that uh, blockchain and cryptocurrency has made over the years. It's, it's something we've been incredibly enthusiastic about and have considered for a long time uh, various business concepts that might be usable in the space and how we might be able to monetize and capitalize on the opportunity that's right in front of us. So we've looked, we've looked for business opportunities within crypto for a long time. And, uh, with the current, uh, legal status of, uh, marijuana in Nevada and in the surrounding States, um, we just saw that industry is having tremendous growth potential as well. And again, I do think with the payment problem that existed that we were made aware of um, and we did the conducted our research on, 
knowing that that problem existed, knowing what Bitcoin and blockchain is capable of, and having um, some exposure to both, uh, we we just decided this this is too good of an opportunity for us to pass up. It's a it's a perfect use case for blockchain, um, and let's you know we're talking about two industries with insane growth potential. If we execute this diligently, I can't see how we can go wrong. It was kind of the mentality that we undertook um, when we started developing the platform. So we were looking at it very, very much opportunistically, I guess I would say. Uh, we see it as having high, high, uh, like I said, high growth potential, but high potential to generate income for us and, and for people that invest in us. So that was part of the baseline. There is a a smaller philosophical component of cannabis use itself. Um, I, you know, I have a I have a medical card here in Nevada. Uh, I will you know use cannabis uh, uh, regularly. So I think that cannabis itself has been unfairly uh, uh, presented to society for uh, about a century now. You know, and when you get right down to it, we're talking about a plant here that's grown naturally and organically, uh, not synthesized or processed in any way, and has been used for you know literally millennia, for thousands of years, has been used for various medical ailments uh, by different cultures. So uh, I think that needs to change first and foremost. But um, you know we also see us having the ability to help encourage that change uh, through our initiatives in both blockchain and cannabis. Yeah, I don't think you have a lot, too many people that are trying to fight you on that one uh, who, are who are listening to this podcast, at least. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's interesting to see the shift, though. I mean, even, um, I, you know, even my parents, for, for example, and, and older generations. Uh, so I'm 33 right now, you know, but uh, when I look at some of the older generations, even to them, uh, my parents and grandparents, they're starting to, to look favorably on cannabis use, whereas you know, uh, five years ago or 10 years ago, they, they, it was, you know, it was the devil's, uh, uh, the devil's toy or something. But, you know, so I, I think it's just, it's just getting a much more positive, um, people are looking at it much more positively now than ever before. So I definitely happy think to be a part there's, of that. A, there's a nice shift, a cultural shift towards its acceptance, especially, you know, when it's compared to things that are legal, it's not that big. Of a deal. Uh, and yeah. we're starting to see a lot more states, added on and eventually I think the federal government will come around to you know it just being a normal thing in our society but right. because it's not yet you may have positioned yourself in a way if you're successful that could be that could be very great for both blockchain and yourself and the, the cannabis industry in general if it, if it if it enables people to do something that they're trying to do in a legal way and, and it, for like a cheaper more efficient better user experience whatever that may be right but, Interesting. No question there. Just a comment. <laughs> yeah. Well, I agree. No, I mean, I, obviously, I agree with you, one hundred percent. There. Is there is there uh, anything else that I that I should have asked you that I didn't get around to doing? I think we we covered a lot of the foundational parts. Um, you know, to to us, we just want people to know that we're very very serious uh, with our ambition here, um, and we know we're proposing a lot of unique and innovative concepts, but, uh, you know, just take a quick look at our track record and we're, we're making progress on all of those fronts. So, um, where can people find out? more? Yeah. So, uh, you can jump into Slack, 
uh, its Toast platform. We actually have uh, both on Bitcoin Talk and on our website, we have a, an auto registration link. So you can you can jump on our website, which is cannabisrevolution.us. Um, you can jump in our Slack or Bitcoin Talk, probably the best channels to reach us. Great. Um, one more question. We ask this of all of our guests and uh, we always get kind of various answers. Love it. What, can you explain blockchain in 10 words or less? In 10 words or less? Uh, man, okay, you're putting me on the spot there. Blockchain is a decentralized method of transferring value between people. All right. I think you got, that's definitely less than 10. Okay. That was, uh, that was a tough one. I appreciate it. <laughs> sure thing. That was the hardest question of the interview. Yeah, uh, it always is. And we've gotten some people that just, just blew it out of the water with like 60 words. And they're like, I can't do it. Not going to even try. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guys. Well, really appreciate you having me on. It was fun. Uh, yep. Maybe we should do it again. For sure. I'll be happy to hear uh, how things progress in the future. Okay. Cool, guys. Thanks so much. Take care. And that was the interview with uh, Mike Wagner. Or if you want to be cool about it, you can call him Mike Wag. And uh, for whatever reason, I, when you guys said his name in the first part of the roundtable, I wanted to say it like Michael Kane, like Michael Wagner. I don't oh, know why. It's Michael Kane. I'm Michael Kane. Michael Kane. Anyways, um. <laughs> So the Tox platform trying to give, you know, there's a marijuana industry that's budding and it's legitimate marijuana too. It's not that crazy uh, gang related uh, marijuana. It's the good stuff. Medical grade. This ain't your daddy's marijuana. <laughs> ain't your daddy's. Reefer. Wait, wouldn't the, wouldn't the gangster weed be a little better than the medicinal weed? No, no, no. no. <laughs> Isn't the gangster Damn. weed? Like, like, it's upside down. You bleach. It's like <laughs> it's terrible. Like, I'd rather have something, something grown in a in a. Like, if I like, if I want something, I want something that has regular, like, some food. I would rather have regulation around how it's how it's grown, and legitimate medical supplies. Mm -hmm. It's not like you know back alley grow operations that don't have good supplies or pure water or like proper minerals to make sure that the plant grows properly. Like marijuana is just a plant. And if you've ever dealt with growing plants, if you don't do it properly, you have a, you have an inferior product. Mm -hmm. And the fact that these people who have legitimate grow operations are able to do everything that's right for the plant to grow it properly means that you end yes. up with a really, really good product. Yes. And Corey, I can tell by your face in the Skype, a good product indeed, huh? Uh, I haven't yeah. smoked in a long time. I can't going through <laughs> going through the clearance process. <laughs> Sad story. Federal government doesn't uh, like marijuana, so I don't smoke marijuana. Yeah. Sad story. I haven't I haven't indulged in some long ass time actually. We're not gonna go into my personal life for you guys listening. Dorcores or cellos. But hope you like the interview. Uh so moving on. Andrea says that forking's bad. Yeah. Is it bad? Cello, how do you feel? Do you think forking's bad? Do you are you still like where you're like, eh, Bitcoin's just a thing. I'm just kind of cruising with it. It's the debate's been going on for like two point five years. And 
you know, what, what does it matter at this point? Yeah, it's just exhausting. Um, yeah. It's it's cool that it came from such a the mouth of such a prominent figure, but at the end of the day, it's just another day, another argument. I feel like what what could end this debate is if, like, Roger Ver and all the people in Bitcoin Unlimited were in the same room as, like, everyone who's Segwit pro, pro Segwit, and they're just yelling and going back and forth. And, like, you walk up in, like, your bathrobe and sandal and, like, bath, bath, uh, slips on your feet and some coffee. And you're like, would you guys just, just stop? Would you guys just cut it out already? Like, yeah, I'm tired of your Mexican standoff. <laughs> and then you just walk away. That, that's <laughs> like, me. You, this shit's getting old. Like, come on, man. I know, man. I've got gray hairs now. I've had. I didn't have these gray hairs when these debates started. Now I do. Those are those are purely block size debate gray hairs. That had nothing to do with anything yeah. else in your life. That had nothing to do with any of those stressors in my life. Just the block size debate. So, yeah, well, there's a reason why like, it's it's not that hard forks are bad. That's a that this is a clarification that needs to be made. Hard forks, in general, are not bad. Contentious hard forks, where people talk about attacking the minority chain, are bad. Like, def, like really splitting. So you have like just like, think about the community and the network before a hard fork you have one network although there may be differences of opinion inside of it everyone is still on the same chain everyone uses the same token all of the hash power associated with that network is going towards a unified cause when you split and off and you hard fork into two different completely separate chains you then take a portion a big chunk of that real network and you move it away. The hashing power, the price typically, uh, and this, which means you take the security of those of, of, of the entire network and move it away to a different chain and you take a lot of the people. And when those things starts to fight, it's not like they say uh, one Bitcoin is worth $1,000 and then you split, maybe we'll say 70, 30. It's not like it's gonna be $700 and $30. That's certainly not going to happen. It's going to be much, much less than that, especially if it's contentious because they're fighting. So a lot of the confidence in the entire system is shaken mm -hmm. and everyone leaves. And so just based on the people, like the lack of confidence and security that you lose, the price drops even more. And as people start to fight each other and start to break the chains, the usability of both of those tokens goes down drastically. And so that's mm -hmm. more people leaving the system and so on and so forth. But if you have a unified reason to hard fork because you need to change the underlying protocol and everyone agrees on it, or at least the vast majority of people agree on it, then it's fine. Mm -hmm. It can go very well. We've had successful hard forks in the past. We should hopefully have them in the future. But it's these contentious hard forks where they're steeped in this ridiculous argument and there's threats of attacks and, you know, like sabotage and so on and so forth that just will not amount to anything good whatsoever. Mm -hmm. no. so there's that, that's, that's why Andreas is against 
hard, this particular hard fork. And I, that's why anyone's against this particular hard fork. It's bad for the community as a whole. Yeah. I mean, anyone with common sense looks at it who's been in the space for a little bit longer than a week know that <laughs> it's it's bad right now. It's looking it's not looking too hot for Bitcoin. I mean, so. is any anything what of what I just said not make any sense? No, no, it makes I mean I get I mean I like, get it. I want it's I want people to argue with, or not. Right? I would like people to try and point out anything where I if I have logical inconsistencies or I'm wrong about something that I say, I want someone to tell me. But I don't want what them what but I don't want them to tell me is how emotional they are about what I said that made them angry. Because I don't give a shit about that. You don't have a legitical yeah. logical argument, then there's no reason to argue. You're just being a baby. Yep. Yeah, a lot of people are like, I don't I don't like this show because they're they're pro Monero and or they're super pushing Ethereum. I feel like we're like one of the more neutral podcasts. Where we I'm just for the technology. Yeah, I'm 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 I love the technology as a whole. I like mm-hmm. the fact that it can be leveraged to solve a lot of different problems. I like that the communities are using it for different reasons and that you can kind of grow your own community based on a token or a platform that has a token. I really like this idea. I also like the idea of in the future, these things interop- inter- interoperating with each other. But mm. when it comes to these like ridiculous power struggles and politics that are associated with just human behavior. I'm not into that. I think it's, I think it's childish. That's childish. What? Yeah. Well, I don't think we have anything else left on the docket. Except to tell people about escrow my bits. What? What? What do they do? Yeah. Uh, it's fast. It's super fast. <laughs> What do they do? It's fast. That's a good way to start. Super easy, and it only takes three steps. I mean, who's who's just not here about Eskimo bits? They're the leader in the industry. All you gotta do is register and deposit your Bitcoin. Seller ships the item, buyer checks the goods, and then releases the funds. That's an easy escrow process. And they also offer Bitcoin escrow on a locked exchange rate. So no matter where you are in the world, they got you covered. And they're only going to charge a small flat escrow fee of 1% on all the transactions. And they even offer you the ability to split the fee with the other party. We want there to no longer be any excuses on why not to use this service, man. So start the escrow process, go to their website, make sure you sign up for their newsletter and stay up to date where you can escrow your shit with escrowmybits.com. And also, I got to mention... Uh, for all your uh, cardigan needs and whatnot, go to Sweet Honey Crochet and uh, support that small business. Yeah, give my wife some money for the awesome stuff she makes. Yeah, man. It's good she stuff. made my sister a hat. so She, she made my wife a them. purse. She's hooking yeah. us up. Yeah, the like, blankets you know, she uh, makes are pretty, pretty ridiculously intricate. She's got I really tell Aaron stuff. that um, my sister loved the hat. But I think it was a little bit underestimated on how large black woman hair is because the ponytail aspect of the hat is a no-go. It's a no-go. She can't put her hair, hair through it. It's too through. thick. Yeah. Hair All too right. thick. Hair too she thick. She needs to make a, the hat that Sway wears. 
Yeah, you don't have all the like, extra swag. Oh, she could nice make hat. one of those. She could, do, she could pump one of those out <laughs> in like an hour or two. Yo, this is sway. This is sway in the morning. This is this is sway in the morning. <laughs> my my uh my imitations have been so bad lately. Yeah, you we used to, like remember the, the good old days of D impersonating a black dude talking about Bitcoin. This all is sway in the morning. This is like, like that was another iteration of it, and it's gotten people. terrible. <laughs> Yeah, my my impersonations are so bad now. What were you saying, Cello? They're all like thirty percent Cleveland Brown now. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. It has, I guess that's to do with <laughs> the older you get, you, the more you sound like Cleveland Brown. Oh no, 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 no. Oh, these this Bitcoin debate. No, Bitcoin only a did it. Anyways. Well, do we have anything else to talk about? You know, I just thought of we should actually have something that we like put either on the site or in the Slack called the docket, where we let everyone chime in on what they want us to talk about. Sure. Yeah. Instead of like, you know, just change the name of topic discussion to the docket. And then everybody puts articles there. And that's all they put there are articles. If they say stuff, we kick them out. Like just put put articles there and if it makes it to the docket then we'll we'll probably be talking about it i can probably build something that allows people to submit things to the docket with like voting with like a voting system associated with it so if someone comes something comes on there it's not redundant they just upvote what's currently there i like that i like that all right all right right, uh, slack i hope you were listening to that I'll build so something out we and we'll up. delegate somebody in the Slack to manage it. <laughs> Corey, who All you right, got? So. DC or Rumble? Who you got? DC. Always. I got Marvel. So. Are you guys not talking about comics? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. That was, that was off on that. Um, well, you guys can find us on Twitter at the PTC Podcast. Uh, Cello runs the Twitter. He'll tweet back if you tweet him. Um, we also got Ken uh, with his show and helping us write things. So, oh, Zach. Yep. He's coming on the show soon. Yeah, he's going to be on the show real soon. He's got that Philly accent. Um, what else? Oh, he's got the meet the meetups in Philly. Just had Tony Vays on. It was good. Yeah, he did. Doing that. Let's see if we can get that, yeah. that video out. He's wearing our shirt. Yeah. Got Tone Vase yeah, to wear man. our shirt. We're probably gonna get Tone Vase on the show soon to talk about all this nonsense and his opinions. Yep. Well, really, what? Anyways, we can't go on into another thing. We're wrapping up the show. Um, if you want to reach Corey or myself or Cello individually, Corey's Twitter is at Core Petty. Mine is at Fergalotti, spelled just like it sounds. And Corey's is at Mojin Cello, M O J I N. You mean cellos is? Cello, yeah. Good cellos point. is M O J I N C E L L O. Did I get that right, Cello? Yeah, thank you. So, so, yeah, follow them. Follow us. Tweet us and stuff. Uh, we've got uh, the BitcoinPodcast.com. Of course, we have a Medium page. Uh, a lot of the writings are there from Corey, myself, and, and Ken. Um, all kinds of stuff. We haven't blogged in quite a long while, but we have thoughts. And we put them on paper, and they sound good. 
Um, what else do we do? We've got the Slack, of course. If you go to the BitcoinPodcast.com and you click on the Slack tab, you will then follow those instructions and you can join the Slack and get in all this good Bitcoin, blockchain, future talk. Sometimes we do talk about strippers. For that, we apologize. And sometimes we talk about UFC. We talk about all kinds of things, but it's a fun Slack group. Um, oh, also, um, you know, shout out to Corey for giving free talks. So if you enjoy his talks, uh, tip us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. love that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, don't forget about we got Block Channel going. It's a great show. Uh, Mackie runs that show. And what we like to do on that show is uh, basically bring on and and profile, um, you know, new Ethereum projects that are going on and new cryptocurrency projects that are going on. We'll have the creator of them on the show and interview. And it's been going really well. It's been a good response. So so listen to that when you see it pop up. All right. Well, you guys got anything to add? Nope. Well... Shout out to Zoe Saldana and Viola Davis, of course, and play the outro. Zoe Saldana.